Welcome to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment, with your host, Melinda Tuhus. I am here today in Whitney Center in Hamden, Connecticut, with three wonderful people that I've been working with, actually, um, in, a, in a plan, in an effort to uh, save 102 acres of open space in the southern end of our town, right next to New Haven, um, to make it available to people as as passive open space and it has a long history of pollution contamination and uh, fences around the property where no one could access it so we're going to be um, learning about uh, what used to be called, well some people still call it the Olin property and what now our community group calls six lakes so here we are at Whitney Center looking out the big windows into uh, toward the Six Lakes property. And Joe Blumberg, um, tell us what we're looking at. Well, we're looking out at the woods here. We have a little putting green right in front of us. And there's a path that goes on to part of the Olin property. Uh, that was an agreement that was made many years ago. And it allows us to walk in through the woods and see the lake and enjoy the nature that's out there. So um, I'm going to start with Elizabeth Hayes, who is a community member who lives near the uh, area in question. And um, Elizabeth, if you could just just say, uh, you know, a little bit about, you know, where you live now and how it connects to this uh, wonderful space that we're trying to preserve. I'm Elizabeth Hayes, and uh, I've lived in Hamden now for about Mm, 20, 30 years. I came here in 19, I moved here in 1994. Ah, yeah. Oh, 19, about 30 years. 94, yeah, about okay. 30 years ago. <laughs> um, I'm a very active person. I tend to um, take advantage of the open space that's already here. And one of those spaces being the Farmer Dean Canal area. I walk uh, there just about every day when the weather is permitted. Um, I heard about the um, Pine Swamp, Olin Pine Swamp. And um, when I was introduced to it, I think it was through, it was either through Justin Farmer or um, Kurt Johnson. So I became interested then when I had the opportunity one Saturday morning, uh, Kurt Johnson uh, pulled together a group of people and we toured the place. And we toured the place and right away my inspiration, my enthusiasm, and just about my whole self in terms of being an active individual as I am. I was just delighted to be able to help bring this space to fruition in terms of sharing it with the community and having them to enjoy such beautiful area as uh, as we call it now, Six Lakes. Wow, yeah, it is, it is inspiring. Yes, yeah. yes. 
before I move on, I just have to tell my little story about my connection with uh, the property. When we first moved here in 1987, I had two young children, and we were just a couple blocks from it. And uh, when we were walking around the neighborhood, um, I also, you know, love to hike and love to be in nature. And um, so I, th there was a fence around the whole property, but there were breaks in the fence. Somebody had cut the fence to get in there, and I personally would not have cut the fence, but once the fence was cut, we... We we took many walks there, and I remember they had a they had a, like a rope swing that was really fun <laughs> that my kids would ride, you know would swing on and yeah seeing all the birds in the you know who lived in the in the ponds or you know s landed in the ponds and everything it was really quite quite lovely so that's that's actually the reason I wanted to get involved besides the fact more generally that you know this is a piece of property that is in a very underserved area that doesn't have much open space at all. So that's that was the other reason I thought it would be a wonderful project. So Sue McDonald, um, tell us how you got involved. Well, I have lived in Hamden about 20 years, but I never knew about this property until about two years ago. And I'm a member of Congregation Mishkan Israel, which is a member of, of Connect, which is congregations organized for New Connecticut. And Connect had an, uh, an event at my congregation and there was a follow-up session that I attended that had to do with affordable housing. And Elizabeth and Justin Farmer were um, present at that meeting and they were talking about the powder farm and I had never heard about a powder farm and I also couldn't imagine how a powder farm was a beautiful natural resource. It just didn't sound like that. Justin Farmer being also a young man who lives in the area in question or adjacent to the area in question and is actually on the Hampton Town Council. Yes. And uh, so I reached out to see how I could get involved because I, you know, I go to Sleeping Giant a lot. And I love walking outside. And, um, but I'd never, ever heard of this. And I, it was amazing to see how close it is to the... Um, to where Justin lives, where Elizabeth lives, and where a whole bunch of people live who don't have access to it, but you know would probably really enjoy the, that experience and that that you know sort of the peace and quiet that comes from being surrounded by lakes and trees and birds and things. Right. And and Joe, um, you have you're hosting us here at Whitney Center, and tell us um, how you're involved. Well. I've been involved with nature and I've been a birder since I was 13 years old. I'll be 90 this year. Uh, and when we, my wife and I moved into Whitney Center, uh, where there are a whole bunch of different committees and activities, and I signed up to be on the uh, Conservation and Nature Committee. I became the chairman of it. And uh, one of the vice presidents uh, of Whitney Center uh, asked me to represent Whitney Center on the Six Lakes Committee, uh, working on the uh, on the Whitney, uh, excuse me, on the the Olin property, and it's uh, uh, it's a gorgeous piece of property. Uh, we had a bird walk here uh, last week, and uh, clocked 29 different species of birds walking around the property, and uh, it's something I, as I say, I've enjoyed all my life. 
and I'm very happy to be able to enjoy it here. And, and as we started, before we sat down, uh, you gave us a little tour of what we could see outside the window, which was really uh, beautiful. And uh, we'll, we'll just play that right now so people get a sense of what we saw. So um, there's, there has been historically a lot of contamination in the area. And we would like to see it get cleaned up and then open to the public. Who wants to talk about where we are now? Like, there's been some recent developments, although it's taken like 50 years to get here. So who, who would like to talk about that, just sort of give an update? Well, I can give some quick background <clears throat> and then maybe an update. The, um, the property was originally assembled in the late 1800s by the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which used it as a gunpowder storage location and a testing site and a lot of things until the early 50s when using gunpowder to make ammunition stopped being the preferred technology. But they had gone bankrupt in the early 1930s and so Olin Corporation or some version of Olin Corporation took over the property. They are still the current owners. They used it industrially until uh, the 1970s maybe and um, it wasn't until 1986 with the development of federal environmental oversight that regulators got involved and so this property has been under a consent order between the um, Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection since 1986. Um, Olin made some moves in the late 80s and early 90s to clean up the very worst of it, but basically not very much has happened since then. In the early 2000s, there was an agreement to pause the attention to this area while the Newhall neighborhood uh, got um, remediated because that was agreed to be a higher priority since it was residential. That wrapped up officially in 2013 or so. Still not very much has happened. In the last um, year, uh, Deep has gotten Olin back to the table. Can you tell us what Deep is? I'm sorry. It's it's the acronym for the Department of the of Energy and Environmental Protection. Sorry about that. Um, so Deep has gotten Olin back to the table, and and had regular meetings with them. And the result of that is there currently is an approved investigation work plan for Deep to complete uh, the testing to the current standards with the current technology. They're supposed to be doing that now. They, that was supposed to start in the spring. As far as we know, they have not actually yet gotten any of the permits from the town of Hamden. And it's worth saying that part of the reason that, some, that this progress has been made has been due to more attention from DEEP, but also to pressure from the community and interest from the town, all the, all the uh, mayoral candidates in the last couple elections and the current mayor are supportive of turning this property into a park. And so I know, I think, Elizabeth, you were one of the people who met with the mayor. Is that right? A couple, um, at least a once or more, maybe? Yes. Um, at this juncture, we are in the process of getting the Hamden-wide community involved. Um, I've had conversations with the chief of staff of the mayor, um, Mayor Lauren Garrett, and the chief of staff is Sean Grace. Um, we, matter of fact, as of yesterday, 
I've got, I received a call from Sean Grace, and he would like to get together this week to look at different location in order to accommodate the, uh, the community, um, which we are setting up several meetings to inform the community of the progress that's being taken place and allow the community to have some input in this process. Um, so we haven't scheduled a, a meeting yet, but we are in communication. So the mayor has been cooperative, I would say, in trying to facilitate the moving forward with this project. Okay. Great. So um, you mentioned uh, earlier uh, Kurt Johnson, who was the recently retired uh, head of the um, of Save the Sound. What I used to work there it was called Connecticut Fund for the Environment, and then they kind of all merged, and yeah. now it's just Save the Sound. But um, I remember at one meeting he came to not too long ago of, of our group, he said he was saying how much progress we had made, and he was saying that the other thing um, that I really remember him saying was that this was unlike many other projects where it's really hard to track down the responsible party, like in this case, Olin is the responsible party, and they are the only responsible party. So that should make it easier. <laughs> but it, things have been moving at a glacial pace. But it does seem, I mean, do you all feel like things are starting to move more? I, I think in the last several months, things have um, picked up a, a bit. I think it's because we as a group or as a team have a better understanding of our individual roles and I think it's been more refined. We know exactly where we are. We know what our strength are, strengths are and how to utilize or how to promote the ultimate goal and that is to restore the property. So you may you may have expertise or you may have knowledge that I do not have, but we've been able to gel, put it all together and work better together, I think. We are better, um, let's, say, let's say, collaborating um, and, and discussing and, and figuring out what would be the next step in our strategic plan. Yes. And when you say we are collaborating, do you mean the people who are part of the Six Lakes Committee, or do you mean the other players like Deep and the mayor all collaborating together, just if you could clarify? I would say we have the day-to-day um, the -day, you know, workings of um, our group, as well as we have to inter integrate what our thoughts with what we think that should happen. But at the same time, realizing that um, DEEP is the regulatory person that will ensure that Olin does what it's supposed to do, because Olin is the responsible party. So we have to work with DEEP to push DEEP to get Olin to do the work that needs to be done. So I'm speaking with three folks from Hamden who are all involved, as, as I am, in um, an effort to save the Olin property in southern Hamden uh, to convert it to uh, clean 
open space for use of the community. So um, you just heard from Elizabeth Hayes, and uh, I'm here also with Joe Bumberg from Whitney Center, which is a retirement center right on the edge of the property, and also Sue McDonald, who is with Connect, which is uh, Connecticut organized, Connecticut, no, congregation, sorry, congregations organized for a new Connecticut. So, you know, one, one question I had is, um, I've heard at different meetings said, you know, the, the pollution is, is kind of concentrated in just certain areas of, of the 102 acre parcel. And that, um, you know, it, maybe that could be cleaned up to different, sta different standards for different uses. And I've, I've also heard that there's been some talk of maybe even using a piece of it for some kind of development. Um, can somebody speak to these different issues? Yeah, Sue? So I think the first thing to understand is that there's a lot of water on this property. That's why we call it Six Lakes. And that is all in the northern part of the property, but it's the majority of it. It's about 88 out of the 102 and a half acres. And um, in the 1986 consent order requiring the cleanup of the entire site, uh, DEEP identified five places, all of which are in the southern end of the property that they were called uh, areas of concern. And so those are the priority areas to clean up. Some of those are right by lakes. Some of them are actually in the very southwestern part of the property uh, on Putnam Avenue next to the, the canal trail. And, and that's actually the highest elevation. And it's also the place where the, well, to give you an idea, these areas of concern are called the East Burning Pit and the West Burning Pit. So who knows what got burned there, but you know, that's why they're areas of concern. So um, when we think about possible development of the property, the really the only area that's not wetlands is that, uh, whatever it is, 14 acres that's in the very Southwest. It also appears to have been among the most contaminated areas. So theoretically, there's possibility for development there, I suppose. Um, I don't know what would be required to make that actually um, usable for that, but one upside of think people thinking about it for development for housing is it would need to be remediated to a residential standard, which is the highest standard. So that actually, you know, there's a potential upside there as long as the uh, there's access from Putnam Avenue that's um, welcoming to members of the larger community and indeed the whole Hamden and area community. Do you want to add anything? Did you want to add anything, Elizabeth? I, <clears throat> I would just say that um, in terms of the housing piece, I think it would be a great idea if we could get housing, but we would have to, we, we can't just look at building houses. We have to be able to integrate that into the total community. In other words, um, have multi-use, multi multi-levels. If, if you have housing, then what can we, can we have a multi-generation of housing? We have the younger, the middle, the seniors. Not just housing for um, the youth or housing for the seniors. 
would like to have multi multi-generational housing and I think that will ensure or will help the um, sustainability of the park <clears throat> and also we need to think of uh, other uh, ways of uh, promoting or sustaining the park whatever we decide to whatever the use that we decide that will happen we need to be able to have some sustainable way of maintaining and and making sure that the park is here for generation 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 to come and i'm looking at solar ah yes, yes. well speaking of seniors and generations to come and all that <laughs> um, Joe, I know you've said in different meetings that people in Whitney Center are, don't want to wait forever for this thing to be done because they won't be around forever. So what, what, how much interest is there in, uh, among your, your uh, fellow residents here in, uh, in cleaning this park up and, and making it accessible, more than just that 100 yards or so that you said there's now the, you know, the little trail through the, through the park there? I think there's considerable interest in it. Uh, uh, you know, our property is directly on the side of the Olin property. And we enjoy the beauty of it. There are many different types of trees that's, uh, that, that uh, are in there. And uh, all in all, it's a gorgeous piece and we would not want to see it damaged in any way. From what I understand, and I've not been here that long, but from what I understand, the most of the pollution that is uh, in the water is gunpowder and lead. Uh, I understand also that over uh, on the Putnam Avenue side, uh, for some reason or other, Olin buried, Olin or Winchester buried thousands of used batteries and uh, <clears throat> those would have to be uh, removed uh, out, out of there. And I think that would be in the area uh, that would probably be the main entrance uh, to the property. Uh, and we certainly would like to see the whole thing continue to be as beautiful as it is and make it more, uh, more eligible for those of us who are still able to hike to walk into it and to in enjoy what is there. Yes, for sure. That would, that would be really a nice way <clears throat> for people here to spend some time outdoors. So um, what is happening, like this committee's been meeting for a while now, and um, what efforts have been already underway like to, to sh like you were, like both of you were saying, you didn't know about it until, you know, someone who knew about it told you about it. Um, what efforts are either underway or going to be underway to spread the word. I know there were a couple of community meetings. Uh, I went to one of them uh, where, you know, people on the committee, including a Yale uh, School of the Environment intern who had done some kind of a proposal, you know, a, a, a presentation. Um, and although there weren't a huge number of people there, and a lot of them already knew, or were like us, but... <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, are there efforts undergo- underway or will there be to, like, I'd love to go door to door and just talk to people and like, you know, maybe have a, we can't really do a slideshow when we go door to door, but um, maybe have like a, a brochure or something to really let people know that this thing is there, this jewel. And, um, you know, get, so sort of even build more support. Like you said, you think there's things moving because, one of you said, because there's been more pressure from the community, but we need a lot more pressure probably. Well, that is the main purpose of having these um, community involvement meetings. And I think um, having it Hamden-wide, as as I discuss with the um, chief of staff, um, Sean Grace, having it community-wide and, and, and making it, will ensure, that will ensure that everyone have access to what's going on and not when it comes budget time or come to spend some money, people say, well, we didn't know about it or it wasn't broadcast or no one said anything. I think it would make it easier to, for the town or for the mayor when she see that she has the backing or she has the support from the entire community to really um, see that this part is complete. I think it will be a feather in her cap, and I think she'll feel a little bit more comfortable. So I'm, from this day on, I'm pushing to get community-wide involvement. We have nine districts in the town of Hampton, and I would like for each one of those districts to play a role. Even if we have to get sign up people, one person from the district, you represent the district, and have that person maybe down the road to come to or be a part of the committee, then that person can go back. Whatever, whatever information that they did not receive during the meetings, the wide meetings, well, the individual person can go back and when they have their district meetings or whenever, they can further explain what is happening. So you have a continuation of information being flowing. There's no lag period. I want people to be inundated with information. That, that's me now. That's my thinking. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so can I just add that um, part of this is related to the fact that about almost two months ago, Elizabeth and Joe and I were part of a meeting with the mayor, um, and uh, I think Sean Grace was there, I believe, yeah. and also um, two people, I think they were there by Zoom, for, uh, who are part of the remediation division of DEEP and are the people who are responsible for the on-the-ground work. And this was the meeting at which the, um, the we, we learned from DEEP a quick summary of the history, but also the, the important recent developments, which were that Olin had presented uh, at Deep's insistence a investigation work plan. Deep had approved it, and it was supposed to be going into effect this spring, which involves testing for which they have to get permits from the town. And so as part of the discussion at that meeting, it was agreed that having informational meetings, one or more, for the broad community about what would be going on on the property when Deep is, I mean, sorry, when Olin is doing this um, testing 
was very important because people would have concerns about contamination, about release of contaminants and what were the health risks and what's going on and so forth. And Deep agreed to attend, and the town agreed to attend. In our dreams, we would have Olin attend because they really ought to be there, they own the property, or at least the consulting firm that's doing the work. So there's a buy-in to this it's for informational purposes and then also for input on what the community sees as the end use, which is another valuable yeah. role for the community to play. Great. Well, we have, run out, <clears throat> we have run out of time, but I really appreciate all of you sharing your uh, intelligence, your wisdom, your information, your hopes and dreams uh, for this property. And um, if people want more information, yes, go to Six Lakes park.org that's s-i-x lakespark.org and i want to thank elizabeth hayes sue mcdonald and joe, joe blumberg for joining me today you've been listening to the forest and the trees global and local perspectives on the environment with your host melinda tuhus tune in on the second saturday of every month at 9.30 a.m. here on WPKN 89.5 FM. For more environmental news you can use.